Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Yeah, it is fun. It's always been fun. That's why I came back to coach, uh, especially with the Raiders. It's always been, you know, the best time of my life. And um, to share it with Raider fans again for the first time in a long time was was special. And I just can only imagine what it's going to be like when Seattle comes in to start the season. It'll be uh, uh, very loud, I would expect. What's up, Raider Nation? John Gruden puts the challenge out to you already to be loud at Elysian Stadium on Saturday, which I'm no mathematician, but I can count to six, right? We're No, we're five days away. <laughs> See, there you go. I am not a mathematician. I'm a day ahead of myself. Keep thinking that today was Sunday, but why would I be doing a radio show on Sunday? Exactly. Uh, but anyway, five days from the Raiders kicking off their 2021 season. I know it's preseason, but don't tell me. Don't tell me for one second that you're not itching to watch your Raiders play. You're not obviously going to see many of the starters playing, if at all. We all get that. We all understand that. But there's so many intriguing storylines about these Raiders. So many young players that Raider Nation, the coaching staff, us in the media, kind of want to get our arms around and our heads around and to see what kind of progress have some of these guys made? What kind of mark could some of these rookies make uh, early on? Where are they in terms of progress? Uh, are they ready to contribute, especially defensively? You talk about Trayvon Morig. I call him Trayvon Mullen uh, on on uh, on Twitter. I am sorry. Uh, number 25. Um, there's two Trayvons in the same secondary. It's bound to happen, uh, and I had the brain freeze earlier today. Of course I'm talking about Trayvon Morig uh, getting the start at least early on at free safety. To st- By the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonson. You're brought to you by Tequila Embajador. It is a Monday. I'm fired up uh, after uh, what I saw yesterday over at Allegiant Stadium. 20,000, 25,000, I would say showed up at Allegiant Stadium for a training camp practice because that's really what it was. That's a lot of people to show up uh, for, for a training camp practice, but it was super spectacular and special. Just getting to see Raider Nation, Raider fans uh, in that beautiful building, Allegiant Stadium, interacting, mingling, being able to watch uh, the Raider players out on the field, the, the Raider players being able to finally feed off of their fans and it was only 25 you you want to say only but that's for a training camp practice that's uh, I won't say unprecedented because there's places around the country the Pittsburgh Steelers usually do a annual scrimmage um that that, that draws a lot of people the Vikings uh, used to do that as well I don't know if they still do it but the point I'm making is it's very unusual to get that many fans to show up at a uh, training camp practice but Raider Nation uh, got the call out from the Raiders, uh, their season ticket holders, their PSL holders, uh, to show up on on, on Sunday to, to be able to watch practice. It was the first time Allegiant Stadium was open to fans in terms of being able to literally watch uh, their their favorite team, the Raiders. And I wrote a story today. I, I cover the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review Journal. You can go out, um, you know, download the app Vegas Nation, uh, or just go to the computer VegasNation.com. And I wrote about how I'm not sure who had more fun yesterday, the players um, or 
the fans. It was a little bit of both. And I could honestly say, and it, it got loud in there at times, and it was still, you know, even though it was a third, I guess, what's what's 25, uh, what is that, the third of 65,000? I don't know. But anyway, it wasn't, it was not nearly half filled, right? Um, but they were still making a lot of noise. So the acoustics are, are really good. You can only imagine what it's going to be like when there's 65,000 uh, in there, and that's coming pretty quickly, maybe even Saturday, you know, for the preseason game. Uh, we'll see. But John Gruden talking about how exciting um, it was for the Raiders and himself to, uh, to be out there uh, doing their job in, in front of the fans and their anticipation of what it's going to li- uh, sound like on su- Saturday when the Seattle Seahawks come to town. It will be the only preseason game that the Raiders play at Allegiant Stadium. Um, back up a little bit, if you remember uh, correctly, uh, the, the NFL added a 17th game to the schedule, and that meant that they cut out one preseason game, the fourth preseason game, to add a uh, an additional regular season game. And the way they're doing it, um, I don't know if this is going to be standard procedure, but at least for the first two years, um, for the the first year, the AFC teams get an additional game at home because obviously they're adding one more game. So it's the AFC versus an NFC team for that 17th game. It doesn't mean it falls in the 17th week of the season or 18th week of the season. They just fit it in somewhere uh, where they could. And next year... The NFC is going to host an AFC team for that 17th game of the season. And what that means is if you are an AFC team, then you only have one preseason game at home. The other two are on the road of the three that you play this year. The NFC, obviously, with one less home game in the regular season, get gets one extra preseason game, if that makes any sense. So the Raiders will be at home Saturday against the Seattle Seahawks. That will be the one preseason game they play at Allegiant Stadium. They're on the road next week. I will be there when they go uh, to practice against the Rams. Joint practices in Thousand Oaks, California. My old hunting grounds. It's going to be great to see my friends uh, with the uh, with the Rams and some of the reporters, my colleagues, for years and years uh, out at the facility that the, Raiders, the uh, where the Rams practice at Cal Lutheran University. In Thousand Oaks, so the Raiders will practice against the Rams Wednesday and Thursday of next week, a day off on Friday, and then they will play the Rams at SoFi Stadium Saturday night. I think it's at 7 o'clock or maybe 6 o'clock. We'll check the schedule. And then the following week after that, they wrap up the preseason against the San Francisco 49ers in Santa Clara, California on Sunday the 28th, I believe it is. And then it's a week off, or maybe it's the 29th. But anyway, it's that it's that Sunday, and then it's a week. It's two weeks off uh, until the season opener, September 13th, against the Baltimore Ravens Monday night in Las Vegas. And while I have your ear on that. I uh, want to uh, make a, a special announcement. I alluded to it on, on Friday, uh, but it's all official. Um, we are going to be hosting a Raider Nation day before tailgate party um, at the uh, Rockstar Bar on Las Vegas Boulevard, right across the street from the town square uh, on, on Las Vegas Boulevard um, from 5 to whenever. You know how we do it in Las Vegas. But I'm inviting all Raider fans, uh, whether you're here in Las Vegas, whether you're coming in from out of town, uh, beginning at 5 o'clock Sunday, September 12th, and then the day before every home game the rest of the season. So eight more Saturdays or I guess, yeah, I guess it would be Saturdays or if they're playing on a Monday night, another Sunday. Um, We'll have to check the schedule. But 
in any event, the day before every home game this season over at the Rockstar Bar on Las Vegas Boulevard, about a mile or so probably from Allegiant Stadium, if that, uh, two miles maybe from Allegiant Stadium, we're going to be throwing Raider Nation Radio a huge party uh, for all Raider fans locally coming in out of town. Let's get together. Uh, let's have some fun, eat some food, have some drinks, listen to some great music. There's going to be giveaways. There's going to be a Q&A uh, with myself, uh, Q Myers, uh, who hosts the uh, Rough and, uh, Unnecessary Roughness show from 2 to 4, will also be there. We're still working out the kinks because we might do, actually, and we're keeping our fingers crossed that this is all going to work. We might actually do a bonus Raider Nation radio show, remote show, radio show, uh, through you know from five to seven as well uh, as we're as we're partying and then you know uh, kick it uh, uh, together after that. But uh, but again, if you're in town, whether you're local or coming in from out of town, join us at the Rockstar Bar every day before each game, five o'clock. Uh, yes, Devon. Oh no, it was like I was like, oh, this sounds kind of familiar. Let me uh, actually look at the Google Maps and see where this is at. I will be there later tonight, actually. After I finish up a couple of things, me and some friends are going to go hit a few golf balls. It's right next to it's the Las Vegas yes, Golf Center. Exactly. That's why I was like, oh, that sounds real familiar. Sounds it, very familiar. It, you're, you're exactly <laughs> right. There's 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 uh, endless amounts of parking, too. There's a huge parking lot. Um, uh, I guess it would be the south of the main parking lot. Uh, it's a very cool bar if you're a rock fan. Uh, there's all kinds of of, uh, of rock pictures from all the greats uh, over the years. There's a nice big stage. If we do the radio show, we'll do it from that stage. Um, but it's all for the fans. Listen, we all missed out last year without question. It was the Raiders' first year here in Las Vegas, uh, and that was cool. It was great. Um, and being here in Las Vegas, moving from Los Angeles the way I did uh, to cover the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review-Journal, um, it, was, it was great. It was an honor, but something was missing, uh, and that something was fan interaction. And not just Sundays over at Allegiant Stadium or Monday nights or whatever the night the game is, um, and and the fans doing their part uh, to make that atmosphere as electric as I believe it's going to be. But also just the the weekend of the NFL. Uh, an NFL weekend is is really cool. I travel obviously. My work takes me uh, everywhere across the NFL, whatever team I'm covering uh, to games. I usually on an East Coast trip. I'll get there on Friday, but um, you know the West Coast trips or closer trips. You, you know you get there on Saturday. Uh, but when when you're covering the Raiders, what you quickly understand is wherever you go, there's going to be Raider fans. Uh, but that's the same for the Steelers and the Seahawks and, you know, some of these great organizations and NFL teams. Wherever you go, somebody is going to be there uh, representing. And it's really cool to see. You see them at the airports. It's fun traveling on a Friday or on a Saturday. And if you have a connecting flight, you'll see jerseys, NFL jerseys all over the place as, as, as fans are making – you know, their connection to where they're going to Kansas City or they're going to Green Bay or they're going to Chicago or New York. So on a Saturday or on a Friday, you can always tell who's playing on the road because you see all these fans there getting to wherever they're going to get to. You, you also see it. Then this is really cool. When you go down, uh, you know, uh, if you go up to Seattle, you're going to see Oregon fans. If you go down to North Carolina, you're going to see North, you know, for, for the college football as well. So um, it's really cool. And we want to make this a special year 
uh, for Raider Nation, for uh, listeners of Raider Nation. We really appreciate, you know, all your interaction and and how you've jumped on board. The numbers uh, are, are, are really great. Uh, I know on the podcast version of, of In the Huddle, um, you know, we can't miss a day uh, downloading the podcast or else I hear about it. So I know you guys are listening out there. I truly, truly appreciate it. I get a lot of feedback um, from listeners, whether it's on uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, emails. Uh, I hear it all. I see it all. I truly, truly appreciate it. Even when you're, you know, giving me the business over a take, that's all cool. That's what football and sports is all about. And that's what our parties are going to be all about. We're going to get together, shake hands, have some fun, take pictures, uh, and talk ball. And, you know, typically it's always going to be a, you know, if, if it's a Saturday before a Sunday, you're going to have great college football uh, on the big screen TVs. That Sunday, September 12th, before the uh, Monday night game on, on the 13th, uh, it'll be Sunday night football, so we'll be able to have some football uh, in the air. So it's going to be great. I really want you guys, uh, as many of you uh, as possible, uh, to come to come visit us, the Rockstar Bar. We'll be talking about it throughout the season, um, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So, uh, And, Damon, you're going you're gonna to have to show up, right? I mean, you're, you're always Mr. Invisible over here. Not not showing up, you know. Well, gotta I'm gonna have got to send you the limousine to come drive you over well, there. Well, someone so. else is gonna have to do me the solid and run the board here. If that means me I, making I heard, an I've appearance, heard that there might be something, you yeah. know, along those lines. I so. mean, if the people want to see me, I'll make an appearance. You're starting to hype me up. It's like the, in my head, like the fans are clamoring for demand. It's like we want. That's I can only imagine it. what some of those conversations are gonna go like, Demond, and I think you do too. Oh yeah, I'll, I I'll, do, do I'll, def- I'll defend everything I've ever said. I on think this uh, I think your your the role you play as the heel is gonna uh, is 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 gonna be talked about. I think I think you're gonna get a little. What do we got here? Little League World Series? Yes, it is. But Vinny, I'll defend myself as the heel because you know one thing about every heel is in their mind they're the good guy. That's true. It's I mean, you have to think that, right? I'm, I'm, because nobody I'm else right. does. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, but it's all good, and Damon, we definitely want you to come out uh, and and join us. So uh, keep that in mind. Also, another, you know, I mentioned this on Friday as well. This Friday, over at the Treasure Island, uh, we will be hosting in the huddle from four to six p.m. Uh, I'll get you all the details when we get back from the break. But beginning this Friday, and for a whole bunch of Fridays after that, um, we're going to be doing a live version. Of, uh, of 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 in the huddle, so I'm going to get you all the the t- where exactly you need to be. Obviously, the Treasure Island uh, is, is a big hotel, but I'll, it's the sports book uh, at the uh, at Treasure Island. I'm going to get you the name, the dates, all of that. Um, but we want if you're in town on Friday ahead of uh, the game against the Seattle Seahawks, or if you're just here in Las Vegas because uh, people like to come here. By the way. Then stop on by uh, the Treasure Island uh, at the sports book uh, there. I'll get you all the the correct names and all that uh, when we come back from break. But I'd love to see you guys uh, on Friday. It's going to be kind of a tradition uh, moving forward. If I'm not there, then then you know because obviously there's going to be some times the following week uh, I won't be there only because um, you know the the, the Raiders are going to be in Los Angeles. But we will have you covered. I think Q is going to usually uh, step in uh, in that regard. So Raider Nation Radio is out in force. We're looking forward to it. It's a big opportunity um, this year for for us. 
uh, and our fans uh, to really start uh, developing some deep connections. Uh, you know, we're a year in the making. It was a tough year last year with COVID-19. We had some special plans uh, in mind, but, you know, with everything that happened, it really sabotaged uh, some of the some of the great things that we were trying to do. We're back um, on track and we're keeping our fingers crossed uh, that COVID-19 works out. Uh, and if so, then we're going to have a lot of fun this year. It's going to be, um, I think, a a great season for the Raiders. Obviously, they got to stay healthy, um, but I think that the talent. Somebody asked me. Uh, I think it was Albert Breer. Was uh, yeah, it was Albert. Uh, was was at the um, Allegiant Stadium yesterday, and we were talking about things, and he was just asking me my, you know, kind of impression of the team. And and you know, again, I and I've told you guys, the listeners, this. Um, I remember in 2019, John Gruden's second season when I was covering the Rams, going up to Napa Valley, the Rams were playing the Raiders in the preseason. They did a joint practice with the Raiders, kind of like what the Raiders are going to do next week in Thousand Oaks with the with the Rams to kind of return the favor. Uh, but uh, on the reporter covering for the athletic covering the Los Angeles Rams, the Rams are coming off uh, a Super Bowl uh, appearance the year before. So I understood what a Super Bowl team looked like. You know, the Rams uh, had a great season in 2018. They barely missed the playoffs in 2019. Uh, last year, of course, they get back to the playoffs. So I, I know what it looks like. Um, you know, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I know what a good team looks like. We go up there uh, to start the 2019 season up in Napa Valley, John Gruden's second year, and it was pretty obvious, painfully obvious, if you were paying attention, how light that roster was for the Raiders in 2019. There were just holes all over the place. And there were you saw some young talent, the Josh Jacobs, the the Max Crosby's, the Clee Farrells, uh, the Trayvon Mullen, um, you know, Alec Ingold, that that 2019 rookie class uh, really did stand out. That's the first time I really got a chance to look at Darren Waller. I'm like, who is this? You, you could tell instantaneously that Darren Waller was going to be somebody uh, to contend with. Uh, but, you know, and defensively, it was just besides the young guys, it was just hole after hole after hole. And I know you go, well, okay, Vinny. Um, you know, they traded Khalil Mack the year before. We've talked about uh, this that that trade and some of the dynamics behind it. I just had a conversation uh, with somebody about this over the weekend, and it wasn't like if you go back to 2018 when John Gruden took over. Yes, they had Khalil Mack. Yes, they had Amari Cooper, um, and those were two pretty decent, good, good players. I mean, Khalil Mack was is is a fantastic player without question. Okay, but if you look at that defense, there was nothing else around it in 2018. Like, there's nobody that's even left. From that roster, maybe Jonathan Hankins, I'd have to go look, go back and look. Uh, and Carl Joseph obviously has come back since. Uh, but if you look at across the board of that defense, nobody is here. Okay. That's how bad that defense was. That's how much rebuilding needed to be done. And I think John Gruden, in retrospect, sized that whole thing up. All right. Could the Raiders have signed Khalil Mack to a $22, $23 million a year contract? Yes, they could have done that. But what sense would it have made to spend $23 million on one player and have just multiple holes across the board around him? And you say to my, you you know, if you want to make this argument, well, Aaron Donald, who signed 
immediately ahead of Khalil Mack. Remember, they were drafted the same year. Uh, Khalil Mack was the f- fourth player drafted or third player drafted, somewhere around there. Aaron Donald was the 13th player drafted in his draft. Okay. Uh, fifth? Fifth. Okay. So there's a big, huge money difference between that. When you get to your fifth year, Khalil Mack was scheduled to make 13 maybe $14 million in his fifth year. Whereas Aaron Donald, I think, was scheduled to make seven, six point nine seven million dollars. That's half of what, basically, half of what Khalil Mack was scheduled to make in in that fifth year of of each player's contracts. Okay, who was in a better position at that point to just wait out the other guy to set the market? If you're Khalil Mack and you have to play at fourteen or thirteen, whatever whatever it was, you're in a better position than somebody that's making. Uh, seven million or whatever it was that that uh, half of what Khalil Mack was making. Okay, so Khalil Mack was never going to sign until Aaron Donald signed. Okay, the Rams signed Aaron Donald. Now you can argue, well, the Rams signed Aaron Donald to twenty one million dollars. Why didn't the Raiders sign, uh, you know, um, Khalil Mack? Well, the Rams also had a stellar defense in place already. They had an emerging offense that was flying high under, you know, Sean McVay and 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 Jared Goff and and Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and Brandon Cooks. They had a great team. They had a great team in 2018. A team that went to the Super Bowl, mind you, all right? So in their mind, they're chasing the Super Bowl. They had a ready set roster in place. It made sense for the Rams to say, "Okay, yeah, we're going to we have to bring back uh, you know, uh, Aaron Donald. We can't afford to lose him. We're trying to win the Super Bowl. We have a Super Bowl roster in place. It was entirely different. And if you talk to the Rams people, if they would have been in the Raiders situation with their personnel, with their lack of personnel, they might have made the same exact decision that the Rams, that the, uh, that the Raiders did. Like, it doesn't make sense to sign one player to that much money when we have holes all over the place. It made sense for the Rams. It didn't really make sense for the Raiders. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Raider Dave is in Denver. How you doing, Raider Dave? Oh, I'm good. I'm glad you're bringing up that L.A. Uh, preseason game. Didn't that follow with an L.A. Raider uh, opening game? Uh, no, it, it, what followed was the preseason game. You're thinking about the year before it was John Gruden's first game and the Raiders, the Rams went up to play, uh, the Raiders, uh, to start the season. It was a Monday night. I'll never forget that because there was a skunk at Oakland Coliseum (laughs) that died and just, I had to go back to my hotel to write my story. That's how bad it was. I had to throw the clothes that I was wearing. I had to throw it out because it was, it just stank to high heaven. If I remember that game right, the Raiders hung within a score with them for three quarters, and it looked like they might even have a chance to win. I mean, they really did show up, and it was a very good Rams team. But, of course, the Rams outlasted them and ended up uh, you know, taking advantage of some late chances the Raiders had to take to try to do something. But it was an impressive showing right off the bat for the Raiders to open the season. It was. That was 2018. And, uh, and you know, in talking to some, some Raiders people, I think John Gruden took 2018 to really take a size, to take a good look at this roster. And what he ultimately decided is there's a lot of work that needs to be done, which was pretty obvious. I do remember that Monday night game. Um, it, was, it was one of those funky, and I got to tell, you know, I, I'm sure fans feel this as well, especially if you go to the game. But there's something about having to play at, and in that case, that game was the second Monday night game. Remember? There's always, yeah, because of split still, right? Yeah, so it was like a yeah. 7.30, 8 o'clock game. And, it's, and I have a question for you, but go ahead. Yeah, no, no, you go ahead. 
Well, I'm just trying to say that and trying to read the tea leaves here from you that what you have seen yesterday inside Allegiant Stadium, you're noticing the advancements that this team has had. You're noticing the holes that are getting filled. And you gauged it against a team that was a Super Bowl caliber and playoff team then, and you knew where the Raiders were then. What are you thinking now? You're exactly right, Raider Dave. And what I can say is there's it's night and day. The roster is night and day between that start of 2019, let alone 2018, without question, it's, it's night and day from, from 2018. Uh, but it, it, it looks different, and, I, and, and it looks better. Flat out, it looks better. The talent is on the roster. There's enough talent on this team, I believe, to make a major playoff push. I truly believe that. Football seasons unfold um, the way football seasons unfold. There's unexpected situations that arise. There's injuries. Uh, there's there's factors that we cannot account for sitting here on, what is it, August 10th, August 11th, whatever day it is today. Uh, there's, there's things that are going to happen this year, good, bad, whatever, that we just cannot foresee right now. But if you're talking about talent, the Raiders have enough talent to make the playoffs this year. I have no doubt about it. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. All right, I promised you guys information on uh, the Friday show over at the Treasure Island from 4 to 6 p.m. It'll be every Friday from here on out. Uh, indefinitely, we'll put it that way. Um, it's over at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside the Treasure uh, Island. We'll be there Fridays from 4 to 6 p.m. If you haven't been down there, you got to check it out. They've got free parking, a 60-foot video wall that's truly unbelievable. Uh, they'll be serving great drink specials like $18 domestic beer pitchers, $10 cocktails, $8 draft beers. Uh, we look forward to seeing you Fridays 4 to 6 p.m. at the Treasure Island at the Golden Circle Sportsbook starting this Friday, Friday the 13th. Uh, a day ahead of the uh, Seattle Seahawks visiting Allegiant Stadium. Can't wait for that. But would love to see all of you guys out there uh, at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside the Treasure Island Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation list or guest line uh, and welcome in uh, a good friend of the show, somebody who I think – I didn't see Eddie uh, out at the game yesterday, but I've got to believe that Eddie was uh, at Allegiant Stadium. How can he miss that? Uh, of course I'm talking about Eddie Pascal from uh, Raider, Raiders.com, does a tremendous job in content and everything else that, uh, that he's doing over there. Eddie, thanks for joining us in the huddle. Really appreciate it. I'm going to assume that you were there yesterday, and maybe I saw you, and if I did, I apologize for completely blowing you, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, big league in you. No, no, no. No need to apologize, Vinny. Yes, I was there. I was up hiding in the press box, so I saw all of you guys down on field level in your little corner. out, you know, Playpen. Right we called it a playpen. Yeah, a playpen. <laughs> yeah, a playpen. Uh, so we were up in the, in the press box, uh, you know, going through a bunch of stuff. It was a run-through for us as well. So, um, yeah, that's where we were up kind of – kind of set up shop and as we were recording post uh, post practice but yeah man i was there and do not feel bad i we didn't see anyone yesterday outside of the you know 
we saw the fans and everyone, but we didn't we didn't see anyone kind of close up and in person. All right, got I it. I don't take it personally. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a, a couple of quick impressions of Allegiant Stadium. The first and foremost is normally when you walk into a domed stadium. You don't get the beautiful smell of actual grass, okay? And being where we were last year, we didn't really get a chance to ever get down to the field. Protocols, we all, we all know what the situation was. But yesterday, as you said, we were situated in our little playpen. Uh, the media was uh, right off the Raiders' defensive sideline. Uh, or actually, everyone was there. But uh, So, so kind of like in the southwest corner over there. But we were on the field, and you can... Just smell beautiful grass. That's a great feeling being in a, in a in a dome stadium. Not to mention, plenty of stadiums, even outside these days, are the fun turf, which to me takes a little fun out of it. Yeah, I mean, look, it was uh, being in the stadium yesterday was great for so many reasons, right? It, it was good to, I think, you know, I tweeted out, I credited John and the staff really the timing of yesterday's practice. We're gosh, what over two weeks into camp now, and, and I think that it was the perfect time to get a, you know a new set of scenery, right? We've been here in Henderson at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. And it's a beautiful place, but at some point, training camp, and you know this, it starts to feel like Groundhog's Day a little bit. So for us to get into somewhere new, for the players to be able to kind of run through what a pregame looks like was great. Obviously, uh, the environment there was awesome. It was so, ha- so good to see people in the seats enjoying themselves. Uh, and overall, just a really, a really nice, pleasant way to spend an afternoon and learn a little bit about the Raiders in the process. And we were inside, uh, beating the heat uh, outside. So that's oh yeah, thousand percent. That's yeah. never a bad thing. Uh, I feel like even uh, you know I, the estimation that I got was twenty twenty five thousand fans there, which is a monumental number for a training camp practice. Uh, so kudos to uh, the season ticket holders and PSL holders uh, who who uh, punched the RSVP and showed up. That was uh, really big on them. And and I wrote that I can't tell who had more fun, the players uh, or the fans. Uh, and I think it's probably a 50-50 split because I know the players appreciated the presence. But also, Eddie, um, I feel like the acoustics are going to be tremendous uh, inside the stadium. There were a couple of times, more than a couple of times, where the fans you know, made their presence known, even at that number, and it was pretty loud. Yes, they were piping in some, uh, some noise to kind of uh, uh, emulate what it's going to sound like on the road from time to time. But on it, you know, uh, in and of themselves, the fan noise was noticeable. I can only imagine what it's going to sound like with 65,000 there. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the moment we've all had circled on the calendar. It's the moment we've all been kind of looking forward to. And, and just to your point, Vinny, man, a huge shout-out to the fans for coming out and spending a Sunday afternoon uh, with the Silver and Black. Because when I was walking in, I was on the phone with one of my buddies in California, and I, I was walking in through the lot, and I was like, man, it, it doesn't feel quite like a game day, but I was like, we're pretty close. I mean, you have people tailgating, you have such a celebration of life, football, and everything. And it was so much fun to see that. And then to get physically get into Allegiant, to watch the fans kind of watch practice uh, and to kind of enjoy the atmosphere there. And like you said, man, the, the environment was great. The acoustics were awesome. And it was kind of that perfect warm-up for like, okay, we're getting closer. We're not quite there yet. I know we still have a few weeks before uh, the, the Ravens come to town. But it really did feel like, all right, this is the next kind of major step in our offseason checklist. We're talking to Eddie Pascal from uh, Raiders.com. He does a tremendous job uh, over uh, at the site, um, you know, putting out great content, uh, whether it's videos, written work, um, the whole gamut. Uh, they do a really good job over there. Uh, tip of the cap uh, to Raiders.com. Uh, Eddie, today was kind of a cool day, uh, a, a depth chart. 
um, was released today. An I know, unofficial death chart. Yeah. Now, I, but you know, I got a little bit of a bone to pick with you, Eddie. Uh, okay. I, I saw I saw the unofficial, but I don't see anything egregious there. Um, show me where I'm wrong to think that you know this isn't going to be very very close to what it's going to look like when the season opens. Yeah, I mean, I think if, if you're like as Vinny, you've been in practice every day. I mean, there's nothing really here that surprises you. I just think that it's important to remember, and you know, you know this as well as I do, that this is all going to change over the next couple of weeks based on who performs well in preseason, based on who you know really kind of has a really strong three weeks, four weeks, whatever it is, headed into week one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, not a, not a ton of surprises. You know, definitely not too many things that kind of make you raise your eyebrow and think. Uh, I mean, I think that we, the fact that we had Gerald McCoy listed at, what was it, the fourth nose tackle, I don't know if I buy that. That's that going to change without there. question. Yeah. yeah. When he I, starts I don't getting... know if I, I don't know if I buy that. But, you know, the good thing is, this is great fodder for conversation. And it kind of talks about, we were talking about how uh, practice at Allegiant yesterday was kind of just another stepping stone as we get towards the regular season. The first unofficial depth chart is the exact same thing as well. Always. And I think it's, to be honest with you, while it does create a lot of fodder for us, uh, and we love that. Uh, I think it's more for the players than anybody else because if you're third, fourth, whatever, second, uh, maybe. Uh, although you you've seen it, you've you've seen the depth chart every day. You know where your reps are coming, when your reps are coming, when you're you know going to be on the field. So you know full well where you slot uh, in the in the whole scheme of things. Um, so, but it is it can be a wake up call. I don't think Gerald McCoy, if he makes this team, which I fully expect him to do, he's going to be in the rotation. Uh, it just ha- he hasn't been here long enough uh, for that to take hold. Uh, what do you make of the um, the, the the Tanner Muse uh, outside linebacker in uh, first team base defense? And I've got a theory as well. Uh, I'd love to hear yours. I mean, that's the one that everyone on Twitter has been popping off about, right? Over the past what an hour, I guess, since the depth chart, depth chart came out. And look, I think that you know Tanner's in that position for a reason. But I, I will say this: I will preface this by saying. He's got to have a really strong preseason, and that's not something that is probably a secret to him. I mean, this is a guy who we barely saw play football last year, uh, and while every indication that we've seen and we've heard is that, hey, this guy's taking a really big step forward in year two, as we all expect the year two guys to take that step, but all the same, like we got to see it when the pads come on. I think for him, the preseason is going to be so crucial. I think it's going to be so critical to kind of not only for the coaching staff to say, hey, this is what, what he's capable of doing. But I think also for himself a little bit to be like, hey, I know last year I was on the, uh, you know, I was, I was kind of getting healthy. I was getting right. But, hey, I can still do this, and I can do it at a really high level. But what's, what's kind of your theory, Vinny? What do you think about Well, I think, yeah, um, I, I, first of all, base defense is probably the least defense you're going to play during sure. the course of the season. So the percentage-wise compared to uh, sub-packages, nickel, dime, all that type of stuff. So uh, I think there's a strategic reason why, and obviously Tanner Muse has to hold on to the position, but base defense is usually, you know, what you're going to play to maybe start a drive, uh, especially in an early down situation when you suspect a team might run the ball. Okay, so when you look at who the starting defensive ends are, Unique Ngakwe on one end, Max Crosby on the other, both are um, you know great tr- uh, pass rushers. In in the case of Unique, he's an elite pass rusher. Max Crosby um, has shown some elite pass rushing skills. Where they're a bit deficient is in run defense, statistically or or historically, you know, by the numbers. I think a guy like Tanner Muse, and I've been watching where they line him up in base defense, he'll typically um, shade 
one hip of either Max Crosby or of Yannick Ngakwe. So the thinking, I believe, because if you look at Tanner Muse, he's every bit the 6'2", 230 he's listed. I think he's there in base defense to lend some run support for the the two defensive ends whose run defense has been a bit suspect through the course of the year. So I think that's why he'll be on the field in those situations. I don't think for one second that Nick Kwiatkowski is on the outs or out of the picture. I think he's going to play the majority of the snaps. It's just not going to be maybe in in base defense. You're going to get him on the field where he's probably better in, you know, uh, in, in, in pass defense and that sort of situation. Whereas I think Tanner Muse might with his with his girth might be able to help a little bit more in run support. No, and, and I, I buy that for sure. I, and I think you, you brought up a, a really good point in terms of looking at, at what did the defensive line, what does this do well, right? I mean, you got Unique and Max, guys who are really solid, quality pass rushers. And, and then you kind of, like you said, you need someone who can kind of be a little more out in the run. But I also, I also think the important thing to remember, Vinny, is that if we've learned anything from a Gus Bradley defense, historically speaking, right? And I, I guess in theory, Gus could blow it all up and do something completely different here in Vegas. I don't think he will. But historically speaking, Gus is going to rotate a lot of guys. So whether you're, the, you're the, the first team guy, the second team guy, if all goes to plan for Gus, I think you have a lot of defensive players rotating in. So by the time you get to that fourth quarter, got to have it drive that you have your guys at their absolute best when they need to be. Absolutely. And the other part of his defense is what he's asking guys is you're going to get it. We're, we're going to figure out what you do well. We're going to put you in that position. We're going to come up with packages for you. Now just master that. And a guy like Tanner Muse, if he can you know do well in that regard, is going to continue to play in those situations. And then you build off of that. You bring Nick Wachowski in to do what he does best. Uh, it's going to be a lot of, like you said, role playing, a lot of guys shuffling in and out to match whatever the personnel grouping is. Uh, on the offense or whatever the situation might be in the game. Uh, and the end result is you're more efficient in those type of situations. And when you get to end of games, you're probably going to be a little bit more, uh, have a little bit more left in the tank uh, across the board. So uh, I look forward to seeing a whole bunch of different guys playing because if you look at Bradley, wherever he's been, that has been the case. You're going to get a lot of players. And I think that also, uh, 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 send, Eddie, sends, sends a great message to your roster, to your uh, to, to players on your defense, that you're going to play. So keep at it. Keep keep stay engaged, stay committed, stay dedicated. You're going to get on the field, and I think just that from a camaraderie standpoint and from a um, enthusiasm standpoint, guys are going to get locked in because they know they're going to be able to play. No, and I'm with you there. And I think even for the folks like us, Vinny, I think that another great thing about kind of this Gus Bradley defense and the constant uh, personnel changing that I think we all can't even anticipate that we're going to see come the regular season is that it makes the preseason a whole heck of a lot more enjoyable because now we're going to be able to see, okay, when Max and Unique aren't playing because I really, I really hope we're not seeing too much of Max and Unique over the next couple of weeks. But when they're not out there, who slots in? How are we going to kind of shift things along the defensive line? What is that linebacking core going to look like if all of a sudden Nick Morrow isn't playing heavy snaps for these next three weeks? So the preseason at times can feel like kind of a kind of a drag, but I think that with this new look defense and everything that Gus Bradley is going to want to accomplish over the next month or so, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch the defense in particular once the preseason gets rolling. I agree, and I think on, even on Saturday you're going to have a bit of a dress rehearsal for the core guys and the rotational players, and then it's going to be kind of a free for all. Where you yeah. know, but but 
a lot of those guys that are part of that free-for-all are going to have a great opportunity to put something on tape, whether it's to uh, state their case here with the Raiders uh, or open some eyes around the league because you know everybody's watching. uh, No matter where you are, whenever you're on the field, or whatever team you're on, somebody is watching. And if you can make a favorable impression, it might not work out here. Uh, There's 31 other teams that might might be interested based on what you put out on the film. So... I love the preseason. I think it's hugely important. I know some people, you know, uh, kind of dismiss it. It's important uh, and, a, and an important function, especially coming off a season where we didn't have it uh, last year. Eddie Pascal, thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow, bright and early, back at the facility, and for sure on Saturday uh, when the Seahawks come knocking on the door at Allegiant Stadium. We could finally see what that stadium is like uh, during a game-time situation. Appreciate it, Eddie. Anytime, man. I got you. Have a good one, Vinny. You too, Eddie. That's Eddie Pasco from Raiders.com. He does a tremendous job uh, with the content that they do, writing, videos, the whole nine yards. Uh, it's a great site. Go check it out, Raiders.com, uh, and check out Eddie in particular. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. Nation, welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Monday. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line, and TJ wants to talk about the Raiders, I think. TJ, how you doing? Hey, Benny, how's it going, man? Doing good, thank you very much. How are you doing? I'm good, man. Um, you know, just wanted to kind of recap what, we talked, what you talked about before uh, talking to Eddie about, you know, Raiders looking better. They were, you know, in a miserable situation with the roster and whatnot, and we wouldn't have done what we could without Cleo Mack or without getting rid of Cleo Mack. Um, for me, I'd have to disagree with that. Cleo Mack was a generational talent. Yeah, we got some draft picks, Josh Jacobs being one of them. But if you really think about it, if you kept Cleo Mack, who don't you get now that we have that is making all that difference? Most of our team is young. Um you, you have the draft picks. I mean, we may not even get Cleveland Farrell that, that 2019 draft. If you have Cleo Mack, we may get someone else. Well, would we be at the fourth pick? I don't know. But we could have been a lot lower, a lot higher. I mean, I don't really see a whole lot of difference other than you get a generational talent. Um, you know what I mean? It's just I'm not trying to, trying to say the Raiders don't look good or anything like that. I'm hoping the best for the defense. We were saying the same thing last year. The defense didn't come through. I hope that changes with uh, Gus Bradley's scheme. And to the Raider fans saying, you know, Mac wasn't a real Raider, that's just ridiculous. That man wanted to be here. You know, we come to the league to, to join an organization. You want to stay, but pass rushes are hard to find. We're still looking for ours. You know what I mean? It's a hard position. That guy deserved every penny he got. We should have gave that to him. Um, but, I, I mean, I just don't see how him not being here would have made a put us in a better situation i just don't see it would we have gone after antonio brown no but that would have been a great good thing i mean i don't see anybody on the team that we wouldn't be able to have if cleo mack was still with the raiders well first first off the 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 draft picks that that the raiders got um wouldn't be here you know so there were a bunch of draft picks that the raiders got and they were talked about those Vinny. we got josh jacobs damon arnett and that's that's it now, don't get me wrong, Josh Jacobs' generational talent, 
they got more. They got they got they got more than that because they used some of those picks to move around the draft board, uh, traded things, and 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 so there were there were there were draft picks that they got, but there's also money that opened up because they're not paying, um, you know, one player twenty two million dollars. I think it was for the next however many years. So that affects your salary cap and your ability to rebuild. I think what the Raiders felt like was the uh, you know, and I'm ta- I'm just talking about the plan and the thinking behind it. It wasn't because they just woke up and thought they were going to be better that year without Khalil Mack. They just felt like this is a long, this is going to be a long process even with Khalil Mack. And there's, and there's, and there's no um, assur- assurances that they were going to be able to rebuild around, you know, uh, close those holes, rebuild around Khalil Mack to the point where they are a, you know, consistent playoff team. And so in you face the the, uh, the the very real situation of wasting his years, your time, your money because you're not able because he's making so much money and you don't have the draft picks that you would gotten to rebuild for the future. Uh, trying to build around whether it's both Khalil Mack and your quarterback who's making twenty something million dollars. Um, it just it, it, it what they felt was, the best, the better way to approach this for the long range of the health of the franchise is to take that money and those draft picks and reinvest it in improving the roster across the board rather than just one player. Was it, you know, it's not ideal. I'm not saying that it's ideal. And it was a tough, difficult decision. But they were thinking over the long haul uh, and, and, and not just being in a situation where they're paying a guy a whole bunch of money to go rush the passer uh, and put up great stats but not have enough around him or elsewhere uh, to, to to really be a good, solid football team for a length of period. Devon? Oh, man, I think Khalil Mack's a real hot-button issue because we got another caller, Madrow, on the line, and Madrow also wanted to talk about Khalil Mack. Okay, uh, we're going to go out to the uh, listener line and talk to our good friend Madrow. How you doing, brother? Oh, pretty good, Vinny. Actually, you just pretty much summed it up what I was going to say, because I think sometimes what some of the fans uh, really don't understand, or at least they don't understand fully, is the cap. And, you know, it's as, the playing football these days is as much about the cap as about your roster, because you can't really win, especially long-term, if you're paying two people quarterback money. Right. And that's what Khalil Mack was. In fact, actually, he got more than quarterback money at the time. And, you know, and the other thing is we could have kept him another year. You know, that's another one of the arguments, except that his agent, who, um, you know, was also Amari Cooper's agent, which is the reason we kind of got rid of Amari, because they were going to use the exact same strategy. Khalil was not going to report. He Uh, never picked up the phone, (laughs) you know. Exactly. He wasn't going to come in. So we couldn't have kept him the other year in a five-year object. wasn't going to happen. Uh, they were going to stonewall it, and they were already doing that. And if you take those two guys, and I, th- I think the money between the two of them, two out of 50, uh, I think at the time, 54 roster spots, and the two took up something like 23% of the cap if they would have paid Khalil what he wanted, which the Bears did. The other thing is, and you never know this, because if you put that much money into just two players, either one gets hurt. My God, you're in real trouble. And, you know, Khalil, as much as, and I love the guy, I love watching him. He was amazing, you know, because talk about a motor that doesn't stop. But his production with Chicago 
has gone down every year. Well, you know, yeah, he, exactly. Because guys get older and things happen. You're not as good as you were physically. And, and you know, I think Khalil Mack obviously is a Hall of Fame caliber player without question. But again, it goes back to and the Rams were could have been in this situation, but it was an opposite situation. They had a Super Bowl roster around Aaron Donald. And so it made sense to keep him there because other if you take him off, then you're not a Super Bowl roster anymore. Uh, you So they needed to keep him at whatever cost it was. It made perfect sense. It doesn't always make sense, especially a defensive player, to pay that defensive player that much money, like Madro said, quarterback money, when you had holes all over the roster. I think the it's the, what's really going to be the tell is how it all plays out over the next few years. This wasn't a short term. You couldn't gauge this short term. It, you just couldn't. There were too many, uh, too much, too many future implications to this. And the Raiders truly believe they're going to be better off uh, in the long run. And the Char- Chicago Bears, what exactly have they done with Khalil Mack? Um, not taking anything away from Khalil Mack, but he hasn't made the big difference there because they just haven't been able to get it done, even with him. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. 